Good evening. It is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service. It's been a while since we dove into Ephesians chapter 5, so let's go there this evening. Ephesians chapter 5, the three types of walk a child of God must have. Those three types of walk is walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. Hopefully we have enough time uh, to get to the very last one. Most of the time, I tend to run out of time and can't cover a bit of wisdom. I have to go over it real fast. It's important for us to pay attention to these three types of walk that we must have. Well, first off, let's dive into Ephesians chapter 5 by reading the first seven verses. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, but fornication and all cleanliness or covetousness, letting it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking or coarse jesting, which is not fitting for fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. All right. In reading the first seven verses, this is an encouragement to come to love. This is an encouragement to turn away from the wickedness of the world and walk according to Jesus Christ and his love they had for the Father. Now, we need to pay attention to that love very carefully. We need to look at the love that Christ had for his heavenly Father. We do realize that Christ came to this earth and lived a perfect, obedient life to the Father. Therefore, he stayed in constant connection unto him until the cross, the thing that he was completely afraid of, the thing that he, that the cup that he wished to pass, to walk in love. We see that, that great love that our Savior had for us. Do we have that same type of love for one another? In the, in the singing of the song right before, the, uh, before this lesson, Rescue the Perishing. Are we out there working in the world to encourage people to come to love? I seriously hope we are. Because in that song, in the second verse, it says duty demands it. Our duty, our commission, that is the great commission, that Christ gave us as he was leaving this earth, ascending into heaven, he told us to do something significant. Go into all the world, teaching, creating disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things Christ told those apostles to observe, the things we are to observe today. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Yeah, I know I missed some words in there, but... That was off my memory. <laughs> Let's think about something. Walking in love. Jesus Christ had no greater love than any person had or will have here upon this earth. What did he do for you? No greater love than the one has this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus Christ called those who were obedient unto him, those who were followers of him, his friends. Why does he no longer call you friends, no longer slaves? He calls you friend because you know what he's doing. You know what he has done. You know what he's doing unto this day. And here's what he's doing if you're unaware. 
He is your mediator. A walk in love, we would realize that. If we're walking in love here upon this earth, we're going to cast the things of the world away. Because what does it say there in verse 5? For you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So how is our walk in love? Have we cast off the things of the world? Have we turned away from sinful walks? If we have done so, you're walking in love. And keep it up. But there are two more walks we need to discuss. But before we do that, we need to go right back to the first verse. Be imitators of God as dear children. Do we know what type of person God is? Do we know what type of person he would be if he came to this earth, lived just as you and I live? Do we know what type of person he would be? I believe we do. Because who was Jesus Christ? Was he not God? Did he not leave heaven? Did he not come to this earth? Sent by the Father? To be our example? To be our sacrifice? Ascending up into heaven, being our mediator unto this day. We made mention of that this morning when Christ was talking to his disciples and he said, I go on to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you so. He also makes mention of in, in his father's house are many mansions. He also says, I'm coming again to claim it as to myself. <clears throat> Are we imitators of God? We can call ourselves Christian all day long. But our actions speak way louder than words, do they not? How much love do we have for our fellow brethren? How much love do we have for those out there in the world who are spitting in the face of God today? To encourage them to come to God. To have an idea what it is to have that inheritance left back for them. Now I know. I know very well just as much as you do. That there are folks who are just going to turn us off. But that's their choice, not ours. Paul tells Timothy. Very plainly. Preach the word. In season. Out of season. Convince. Rebuke, exhort. Are we doing those things? Or do we let something come in between us and our work? Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We've seen an example of the wrath of God, have we not? If you read your Bible, you dive off into the Old Testament, we can see the wrath of God very plainly. Right there in the beginning. For it saddened God that he had made man. you remember those words? It repented God that he had made man. He was sorrowful. Why was God sorrowful for making man? Because they had completely gotten away from God. They had completely forgotten about him altogether. For the majority... 
We can see the wrath of God. In Sodom and Gomorrah, when it was completely destroyed, The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Let's make sure us as a child as a child of God, those children of His, have no partaking of that. Does it not say, therefore, do not be partakers with them? I believe it does in verse 7. Because how many of us want to experience the wrath of God on judgment day? That's that's a terrifying thing, isn't it? Not? So as we walk in love. The opposite of the wrath of God comes love for his children. You ever heard the term, you reap what you sow? I say that often, don't I? I mean it. So does your Bibles. You reap what you sow. If you reap kindness, you will receive kindness. If you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. If you sow, if you sow forgiveness, you will reap forgiveness. If you sow love, guess what you're going to reap? Love. Therefore, why should we not have a walk of love in our everyday walk of life to turn away from the sins and iniquities of the world and come to God and no longer be that son or daughter of disobedience because those children of disobedience are going to receive the wrath of God. So picking up in verse 8 with that continuance of walking in love is walking in light. So we change note a little bit. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Before we finish in our reading in the way to 14, notice what is said in verse 8. For you were once darkness. Do you remember what Christ told his disciples? For I am the light of the world. Before Christ came to this earth, all were in darkness. All had a no clue what the mystery of God was. Even the Jews, they, they yearned for it. They was looking for it. But it was a mystery and yet been revealed. You know what that mystery is? God's salvation. It's God's salvation. It has been revealed unto us through His Son. Well, we were once in darkness. But now we have received the light. When Christ entered into your heart through a baptismal act, through a, through a faithful changed heart, your conscience was cleared and you received the forgiveness of your sins that you so desperately needed. Christ entered in and he began dwelling with you. And if you've been faithful unto this day, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, keep it up. And when I say faithful, I mean repenting of your sins getting forgiveness of those disobedient things that we... Because we do! We're fallible. Don't get me wrong. We are not perfect. We're only Christ-like. But we can get that forgiveness, can we not? I am thankful that we can. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Polar opposites. One doomed, one redeemed. Which are we today? Are we still abiding in darkness? If you're hearing this message, yet to become a child of God, yet for immersion, yet for baptism, for the remission of sins, you are still in darkness. 
And I know there are a lot of folks who believe once saved, always saved. That is saying, once you were immersed, once you received forgiveness of sins, Christ took your sins on and you can't be lost. Read far in your Bible and you can disprove that. For we died to sin as a child of God. Romans 6 plainly says that. For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 8. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Condemnation is available yet again after immersion, after becoming a child of God. For once in darkness, now are in light in the Lord. And the instruction there in verse 8, walk as children of light. We're continuing our reading, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Remember that verse. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Well, back up in verse 10. Notice what it says. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Do you know what is acceptable to you in, in your walk, in your, in your everyday work, in, the, in your performance as a child of God? Do you know what's accepted? Do you know what that answer is? That's a long answer, by the way. We don't have time enough to completely just define or answer that question. But being a child of His is a short one. Being a child of His results in action. Being a child of His results in faithfulness. Being a child of His is understanding what He'll have you to do when you go do those things. Being a child of His... It means you find out what he doesn't want you to do and you stop doing those things. It's very important to find out what is acceptable to the Lord and do those things. Because nobody wants to return back to the darkness those who have tasted the light. Those of a solid mind. Imagine you losing your salvation. Imagine that. We, we like to put that picture into our mind of heaven and that eternal destination of joy, peace, happiness, with no shedding of tears. Just our cup runneth over with joy. Imagine losing that. That's a little terrifying, is it not? By one act. One sinful act. Unrepented. And you will lose your salvation. How important it is to find out what's acceptable to the Lord? <laughs> Exceedingly important. How, how important it is to do those things that God asks you to do, or commands you to do, rather, exceedingly important. How important is it to stay away from sin and turn away from it and never go back? Exceedingly important. Seeing a pattern? Verse 13 tells us, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. When Christ came to this earth, mankind had sin. No way to get rid of it. None. For only a shedding of Christ's blood can remit sin. Period. 
even we have been told as well that the blood of bulls and goats cannot remit sin. Those who are still under the law, even to this day, the Mosaic law, sorry, I've got the context of our Bible class. Those who are under the Mosaic law, those who's trying to be under the Old Testament, I'm here to tell you right now, no flesh can be justified according to that law. But we have a promise from God. We can be heirs of that promise. Before Christ came, all things darkness, sinfulness. As Christ came, folks realized their sinfulness, their wrongdoings, and some got it right. In comparison to the, our, our community, the, the comparison in this county compared to this room is your many and few. Many finding the wide broad gate that leads to destruction and few, that is, finds that straight and narrow gate which leads to everlasting life. And our number is about 18. How many is in the county? Hundreds. County, probably thousands. That's a sad number. But thankfully we are here tonight showing God reverence. Putting Him first yet again. Finding out what He would have us to do. Making the sins known in our lives so we can get forgiveness of them. It's very important to let the light make manifest in our lives. Because listen to verse 14. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You might say, well, wait a minute, how can someone dead receive Christ? This is spiritually dead. Arise, awake, you who sleep. That is, asleep at the wheel. You ever been asleep driving? You ever see here someone that's, that's falling asleep? That's what that sleep is. Someone asleep at the wheel, if you will, just letting the world go right on by. Arise from the dead. That is spiritually dead. Yet to be found. Yet to be immersed for the remission of sins. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. All right, keep your finger there in Ephesians. We're going to turn back over to 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5. <clears throat> this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if God is light and Jesus Christ prayed for future disciples, you and I to this day in 2022, to be one with God just as he himself was one with God by faithful obedience, do you think God abides in you by the Holy Spirit? Do you think he's there? If you're a child of God, if you're faithful, if you're a true believer, you had better believe he's there. Because Acts chapter 5, verse 32, God gives a portion of the Holy Spirit to all who obey him. Did you hear that? 
So if God's abiding in you, if you arise from the dead, awake from your sleep, Christ will give you light. Did Jesus Christ not tell his disciples as his departure, he's not going to be with them or they're not going to be with him anymore? Did he not promise something? Did he not promise a helper? Did he not promise a comforter? Do you know who that is? The Holy Spirit. And if you are faithful right now in this audience, right now listening to this message, he's abiding in your heart. He's right there with you. But unfortunately, there's a lot of folks who have fallen away. There's a lot of folks who have yet to come back. There's a lot of folks out there abiding in sin. Isaiah 59 2 tells us that separation happens because of our sins and because of our iniquities. God wants to save us, but we tie his hands. So Christ giving you light, if you turn away from your darkness, turn away from your sinful acts, walking in love, giving up the world, walking in light, putting Christ into your heart, giving up the ways of the world, turning away from, again, that darkness, revealing those things that are in darkness in our everyday walk of life. And that's folks who are around us, by the way. You ever realize that? Let me ask you this. As a child of God, do you like being around those who are full of iniquity? Do you like being around those folks? I don't. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable with that situation. Folks, folks at my place of work, they've, they've, those who have been there a while know who I am. They know who, I'm, who I represent. They, they know that I'm a minister. And they refrain from their filthy talking, which I appreciate that. The new guys, not so much. They don't know. They're, they're slowly becoming aware because I've noticed it's starting to slowly trickle off and slack off from their filthy language. And I appreciate that. But one thing I would appreciate more, stop doing it all together. Because as I leave, guess who's standing there still? God still sees it, does he not? He's still there. They missed that point. They missed that point that God is still with them. If you have enough reference for a person... Why not have enough reverence for God to stop it all together? I wish I'd have known that 30 years ago, right? Because I look back now at myself and I hang my head. Thankfully, I had 10 more years after that to get right and be pleasing to God. Because once I found out what God would have me to do, put my best foot forward to serve Him. Can we say that about everybody in the church? Can we say that about us today who are listening to this message? And 15 through 21. All right, I've got time. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. All right, let's stop right there. Right in the first verse, right? Circumspectly. Do you know what the word circumspectly means? It means intelligent. Intelligently. That's exactly what it means. So as you find out what God would have you to do, an intelligent person would say, well, I'm going to do those things because I don't want to be found lacking on Judgment Day. We made reference to the Christ 
second coming this morning, so I know it's fresh in your minds. He is coming back. Wouldn't you be rather found doing the things God would have you to do? Knowing what you should do? Or would you be rather found ignorant, that is, a lack of knowledge, and still wearing sin? Those words in Matthew 7, verse 23 come to mind. Not as fools, but as wise. You know any, you know any folks who are wise? You know, you know some wise folks? The owl, right? The owl in any kind of cartoon or something like that is always a wise being, is it not? A wise creature, that is the owl. Any type of cartoon or anything like that, the owl is the wise one, typically. Can we be considered wise? As a child of God, can we be considered wise? Would God look at us and say, He knows my word. She knows my word. Can God say that about us? Well, I seriously hope so. Redeeming the time in verse 16. Because the days are evil. Remember the word redeeming. Y'all remember that word redeeming? Well, first off, let's define redeeming. Have you been redeemed? If you've been baptized for the remission of sins, you have been redeemed. You have been removed from an evil status. You have been removed from a perilous situation. That is, if you remain faithful, you have been redeemed. So if we're redeeming the time because the days are evil, what do we yearn for? Do we yearn for heaven? Do we yearn for a place where God resides? I seriously hope we do. Because these days on this earth, it's full of iniquity. Therefore, do not be wise, do not be unwise, but understand that the will of the Lord is. My question for you. How important is it for you to be wise? How important for you is to pay attention to what God would have you do? I would say that's the most important thing that we can ever do. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, you might ask this question, well, what is the will of God? You want the nutshell answer? Because we do not have enough time to get to the whole thing. As in the, the big answer. Here's the nutshell answer. In one lump sum. For it's the will of God that all men everywhere should come to repentance. There's the will of God. Repentance. What do you mean repentance? Repentance is turning away from sinful things, is it not? Have we done that? Have we turned away from sinful things? Do we understand what the Lord of the, the will of the Lord is? And are we ready, willing, and able to do that very thing? And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. I want to ask you something. When you're when you're down. When you're 
in a lowly state in your life, if something is just going on badly, what do you turn to? What's, what's the first thing you turn to? As a child of God, you should turn to your Bibles. Should you not? When you dive into God's Word, if you're not lifted up by it, you're missing the point. You're missing something. Because your instructions here and your willingness to follow them should lift you up beyond any shape, form, and fashion, anything that can happen to you here upon this earth. Because the things that we're going through right now are temporal. Temporal. It's been going on for 30 years. Still temporal. It's temporal. Compared to eternity, it's temporal. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, first off, let's back up with my thought on verse 18, the first half of it. I know folks who turn to strong drink. I know y'all do too. They're so quick to go to the bar or the, or, the, or the liquor shop or whatever you call that place and get drunk. That's their out. That's their go-to. I used to live very closely with that. But guess what? When they sober up and they get clear-minded, guess what's still there? Their problems. That strong drink don't solve a thing. Again, it's a temporal fix. God is ready to give us an eternal fix. If we are filled with the Spirit. God is ready, willing, and able to give us a portion of Himself to get us, get us through peril times or perilous times, excuse me. He will get us through difficult times because in the back of our mind we know it's temporal. Better things are coming. Let's look at the lives of the apostles. Do you think it was easy for them? And I'm going to say no. It was not easy for them. Look at what they, they left their homes. They left their occupation. They left their families to follow their Lord and Savior. You think it was difficult for them to go out into the world without Christ? No. Wasn't easy. You think it was easy for them to be killed for their teachings? Save one. John didn't. The rest of them did. It wasn't easy at all, was it? But they had something better. They was yearning for something better. They understood their task here upon this earth was a definite temporal one. But that eternal... Well, the reward. The reward was definitely eternal. That type of reward is a good one. We learned about that in Revelation, do we not? With a new heaven, a new earth, where God will wipe away all tears. No pain, no suffering, no death. That sounds a whole lot better than anything here upon this earth. So therefore, why would we not be filled with the Spirit? Seeking to one another, and excuse me, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing, making melodies in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to all things by God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now this fear of God that we're talking about, we're going to back up just a little bit, but the fear of God is not the one that wants to crawl under a rock. It's not that type of fear. This type of fear has reverence. This type of fear is, okay, I don't want to end up on the bad end of that stick. You ever heard that term? I don't want to be there. I want to be on the loving side of our Heavenly Father, not on the wrathful side of, of our Heavenly Father, as we just read back in verse 6. So as we are walking in wisdom, we're going to grow in stature. We're going to grow in our learning. We're going to find out what's acceptable to the Lord. We're going to be ready, willing, and able to sing to one another. We're going to be ready to worship our heavenly Father. And do not be drunk with the with uh, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Whenever it was wrote to the when Paul wrote to the Galatians, he told them, "With one mouth and one mind, can we glorify God?" When we think about our service to God, not just on Sunday, but every single day of the week, not just on Wednesday, but every other single day of the week, is God pleased with that service? In doing so, we can give that thanks that we're going to talk about in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things in God. Are we thankful for what God has done for us? Most assuredly. You might say, well, what has God done for me? There ain't nothing happened in my life that's worth two cents. It's all been bad luck, downhill, left and right. Ain't nothing gone right in my life. You know what God did for you? We find that in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Are you not living in the world? You certainly are. That he gave his only begotten son, that being Jesus Christ. That those who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And yes, 17 is there as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. I said might, so we got to do our part. So if we, are we walking in love? Are we walking in light? Giving up the world, giving up our past lives, sinful walks, we're done with it. We died to it. We're no longer a part of it. Or we shouldn't be. How's our wisdom? Do we give thanks God enough to grow in our wisdom? to grow in our knowledge, to grow in our service, submitting to one another in the fear of God. In this closing verse, in the walk of wisdom, notice what it says. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. For it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the, hands of the living God, we find that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. But that fear, again, is a fear that you want to crawl under a rock. You've got to be careful with context. 
Because that fear there is someone who is turned away from God altogether. Because they've once tasted the good, his good graces. They're sinning willfully. They're now an adversary of God. Trampling the name of the Son of God underfoot. Counting his blood a common thing. Insulting the spirit of grace. That is the type of fear you want to crawl under a rock when Christ comes back. If you have sinned. And if you've not repented of that sin. If you've not forgotten forgiveness of that sin. That's again a fear you want to crawl under a rock. But that rock's not going to help you. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord. Every person shall give an account of all things they have done, whether good or bad. Let's make sure the good outweighs the bad. Let's make sure we're standing before our Heavenly Father redeemed because we have walked in love. We have walked in light. And we have grown and we have walked in wisdom. Have you stumbled in any one of these three? Have you yet to come to God in the first place? Hearing this message has been revealed that you need God in your life. Well, you need to come to His Son. For as Christ does not tell us in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through or by me. Previous to that, He says, I'm the way, truth, and the life. He offers you life. He offers it. So tonight, if you find yourself lacking in any one of these three, and you need correction, we offer and extend that opportunity tonight. Do you need to be immersed or baptized for the remission of sins, putting Christ on, getting that access to God that you so desperately need? Why wait? Don't take another breath. Find somebody and they will assist you as a child of God. My encouragement, get right. For Christ is coming. Make sure we're walking the right walk. Why don't we correct those walks as we stand, as we sing a song of invitation.